Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. You're walking along in faith, and you are doing amazing trusting in God. And then all of a sudden, you just hit that point to where you stop, and you start relying on your own strength and your own flesh. And you realize it's wrong. What happens? What takes place? What does God do with you? Many of us want to say, well, that's the straw that broke the camel's back, and we move on thinking we've lost faith with God. Here in Genesis chapter 20, we get a different story. We see a faithful God, even when we remain faithless, says Paul. This is a a unique look at the life of Abraham here in chapter 20 of Genesis. Join us there as Pastor Leighton Sheely encourages us to remain faithful, even in those times when we stumble. Here's Pastor Leighton with today's program. Now, Genesis, of course, is full of first mentions, and this is the first mention of the word prophet in Scripture. And surprisingly, it applies to Abraham when he is reverted to his old nature and his old sin. What does that tell us? It tells us this, that even though Abraham was was faithless, God was faithful. The Lord acknowledged Abraham's sin, yet he still called Abraham his prophet, his spokesperson, his chosen ambassador between he and his creation. You know, sometimes we as Christians fail to rely on our new nature and resort to the old nature when we do things like Abraham did. But when Abraham did this, his failure didn't make him any less God's man or any less God's prophet. He didn't lose his salvation, and he didn't lose his calling, even though he was presently in sin. Now, you may wonder what Abimelech must have been thinking. Wait, wait a minute. This guy is your prophet? The guy that just told me a half-truth? But the Lord affirmed that he was a prophet with authority when he said, he will pray for you. And you will live. Now, the explanation that Abraham is a prophet is not to be taken as the reason why Abimelech should return Sarah. He should return Sarah because that's the right thing to do. But rather should be understood as the qualification of Abraham appealing to God on Abimelech's behalf. You see, the word pray here is used throughout the Old Testament to talk about interceding intercessory prayer. And so uh, God is instructing Abraham to intercede in prayer on Abimelech's behalf. God had promised to protect Abraham and to provide for his needs, and he worked supernaturally in order to save his life and rescue his wife. Verse 8, early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials, and when he told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham in and said, What have you done to us? How have I wronged you that 
You have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom. You've done things to me that should not be done. And Abimelech asked Abraham, what was your reason for doing this? Why did you do this? And Abraham replied, I said to myself, I said to myself, Q, there is surely no fear of God in this place. And they will kill me because of my wife. There is no fear of God in this place. Fear of God represents or or is a, a way of describing an attitude of reverence or respect for God who requires respect for life, human life. You see, God is pro-life. It was God who said, thou shalt not murder. Jesus is God incarnate. The word incarnate means in in human form. Jesus is God. Jesus is pro-life. He said, I have come that you might have life. Jesus is pro-life. Christians are disciples of Christ. We are followers of Christ. That means, by definition, a mature Christian is pro-life. Now, you might say, well, pastor, what's the mature in there for? You know, the fact of the matter is that some people who just come to faith have been conditioned and programmed by the world and the culture around us, and they haven't yet uh, connected the dots of what their faith means in terms of their finances, their politics, their priorities, their entertainment, all of those kind of factors in life. They haven't had a chance yet to. But if they've had an opportunity to mature, eventually they get to the point where they connect the dots because they want to be like Jesus. That's what the word Christian means. You know, those who believe in God's word, that we are specially made in the image of God, will be inclined to follow God's example. We're going to act like God. We're going to act like Jesus. On the other hand, those who believe they evolved from animals are going to be inclined to act like animals. Which explains an awful lot of what's taking place today. There's surely no fear of God in this place. And they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, besides, she's really my sister. She really is. Honest to goodness, she is. The daughter of my father, though not of my mother. And she became my wife. So this is what it's like. Abraham is effectively saying this. Well, I didn't exactly lie because she is my sister. I just withheld the whole truth. She's also my wife. Not telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth is not telling the truth. Okay? A half-truth has just enough fact in it to make it plausible and just enough deception to make it dangerous. And there are people who are experts at warping the truth by telling the truth, but not the whole truth. 
They speak half-truths. And we have to be especially aware of such people because they're harder to identify because when they say things, you can't challenge exactly what they say. You can't disprove what they're saying because they're saying the truth, but they are withholding information that's essential to understanding the truth. Informing the truth. The picture they paint with the portion of information they choose to include distorts the truth. We need to be especially alert of such people. We need, in some cases, God's help. We need God's discernment. Verse 13. And when God had made me wander from my father's household, I said to her, this is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. So when he was confronted, Abraham justified his action. He minimized his sin, and he explained how this was part of the standard operating procedure. Wherever his wife and I, he went, this was the way they operated. He didn't see how this undermined his testimony of faith. He didn't see how this non sequitur came across. You see, I follow God, but I don't trust him to protect me, so I lie. Which means he doesn't really trust in God. Isn't it funny how our rationalizations grow so familiar that we can become blinded to how absurd they really are? You see, our minds are incredibly deceitful. The Bible tells us this. Our minds are so deceitful, we can deceive ourselves. And that's why it's so important that we have an external standard by which we measure our thoughts. One of those really important ones is God's word. Is what I'm thinking lining up with God's word? And another one is holding ourselves accountable to brothers and sisters with whom we share our thoughts. So that they can say to us, you know, Leighton, you're not thinking very clearly here. You're not thinking very biblically here. You're not applying scripture to your thoughts. Your thoughts are off track, Leighton. And so we really do need one another. But also notice here the subtle blame that Abraham pushes towards God. God had made me wonder for my father's household. You see, God had put me into this difficult uh, situation, you know. It's really God's fault, is what he's suggesting. Verse 14. Then Abimelech brought sheep and cattle and male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham. And he returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, my land is before you. Live wherever you like. To Sarah, he said, I'm giving your brother. (laughs) Notice your brother, not your husband. Uh, I'm giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver. This is to cover the offense against you before all who are with you. You are completely vindicated. So believers sin like Abraham sinned, but that does not disannul their faith or destroy their salvation. Aren't you glad for that? Even though it discredits the testimony. And Abraham was still a child of God, even though his witness for the Lord had been greatly diminished. Now, it says here that he, Bimelech mentioned brother, not husband. And there's two ways of looking at that. One is the sarcastic. 
you know, like, uh, <clears throat> uh, I'm giving your brother, you want to see the eyes go around in, in the king's head, he's being sarcastic. That's one way of looking at it. But there's also another way of looking at it as well, and that is by using the words that he used, he is doing everything he can to honor Abraham and Sarah. Abraham had believed in a manner that was unworthy of God, but Abimelech looked past the man to honor his rank as God's prophet. In other words, the king honored God by treating his representative with honor. And in response to that, God favored Abimelech and his household. Hmm, what an amazing God we serve, right? Well, you have been listening to Study Verse by Verse as we close out the week here today. Trust our time together has encouraged you in your walk and relationship with Christ. If you'd like to join us for worship this Lord's Day, Church of the Highlands meets here in San Bruno several times throughout the weekend. For the times, the direction, location, you can find it all on our website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday as we continue our journey through Genesis on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely.